your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one yell, first down, it's on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Wandale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And welcome. Appreciate you spending some of your Monday night with us here. So glad to have you on board after your Mother's Day weekend. I know Ben McLaughlin had a good Mother's Day weekend. He tweeted out a picture of this, my gosh, giant steak with vegetables around it. Man, that looked good. Tasted good. Tasted real good. Did you did you clean the plate? Oh yeah, dusted her off, and then uh, we had some uh, leftover uh, ice cream from uh, one of those uh, like little smoothie ice cream things from the night before on dessert. So it was a perfect way to cap off a weekend. Very good. And you, your wife, you guys are getting close to being parents here in yeah. a few months. Yeah, it was weird. It was like one of those. Uh, do we are, are you mom? Are you not a mom? We have a dog. Is a dog mom, but. Yeah, she was uh, obviously getting close enough to where she probably qualifies as being a mom. So uh, did something special for her for dinner and then uh, brought some uh, – my mom likes to garden, so we brought her over some, some flowers to plant. So got to do at least something for Mother's Day. But, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the older you get, it's one of those holidays that uh, becomes more and more important to you, that's for sure. No doubt. When you're growing up, you're a teenager, I don't you get care less. This. No, you're like, what is this? Come on. You get older, you become a parent, uh, or you certainly you, – you've. it's so weird when you grow up in life because you're when you're, you're really young, you need your parents. Then you go through that phase, you're like, I don't need anything from I, – I can't learn anything else from them. They're wrong on everything. And then you come back around to the other end, you're going, man, I need their advice now because they were right. <laughs> they you, were regret, you regret all those years that you took them for granted or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I hope everybody had a good Mother's Day celebration. Big weekend on campus with the graduation ceremonies, a virtual graduation. Um, how about Darren Erstad getting himself a degree? He and Dan Johnson were two of the 66 Husker athletes that picked up their diplomas. And, wow, two of the Husker baseball legends get their degrees. Really happy for Coach Erstad to get that done. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I can't remember. I forget who it was that uh, had a class with Darren. And, uh, you know, he would, instead of just taking the online route where, you know, he could say inconspicuous and just stay out of the limelight, nope, he wanted to take an in-person class. So he showed up with his with his ball cap on and, you know, sat in the back row, minded his own business. But, um, yeah, in the most Darren way possible. I knew he was going back and getting his degree and, and so happy for him. And, uh, you know, he probably feels – or has felt for a long time that you know leaving that stone unturned has probably bugged him but now he he feels a lot better and um you know can now go truly enjoy time off and focus on the next phase of his life i think it might have been joe acker that had a class yeah i think that i think that's who it was yeah yeah and i guess i don't need to call him coach erstad he's no longer the coach so i don't have to use that (laughs) phrase around anymore just darren erstad congratulations (laughs) to all 66 husker student athletes that uh, earned their diploma we had ronnie green on the program last thursday night kind of laying out what the ceremony was going to be like i got a chance to watch watch it on net they did a fabulous job with that josh had this speaking of darren erstad dan johnson former major leaguers Josh had this in the ticker that the owners have approved a plan to get baseball going around the first of the year or the first of July back in their home ballparks, but with no crowds uh, in the in attendance for the games. Um, now it goes to the players and Ben, there's a lot, a lot of chatter out there that. Uh, the players don't like this. They won. The owners are asking them to take a pay cut because they're not going to play a full 162-game schedule. And the players have some concerns about that. I think they have some concerns about safety issues, which that's totally legitimate. But I don't know. I I was really hopeful a couple weeks ago that we'd have Major League Baseball back this summer. My uh, My optimism for that sport has waned a little bit here in the last week or so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the toughest sports to negotiate with with the players and the owners. Um, I, I truly I truly believe that, and you know, 
this is an interesting situation because you know i think i think this stems back to the free agent market you know greg was it two years ago when guys like mike moustakis and adam jones and you know there were really really good free agents out there that um that nobody wanted to sign because of the the kind of the money ball the saber metrics no one wanted to spend that money when you know you could spend 500 grand on two different guys to do the job of one guy that you could pay you know nine million dollars to you were going to take the cheap route even if it was unpopular among fans or you know letting go some players that have been in your organization a long time everybody in the front office became a lot more money conscious on who they were spending money on um, seeing what happened to Miguel Cabrera. And I know Justin Verlander has, you know, resurrected his career, but you get these guys that are stuck with these monster long-term deals and it ends up crippling your, your salary cap, especially towards the end when you either, you know, need to contend for a championship and buy more parts or you're trying to rebuild and you're stuck paying a guy $26 million a year. There was a big fight with the players and, you know, feeling like, they were getting slighted because of the market as was changing and they couldn't do anything about it. Now this is a chance for the players to kind of take things back in their own, own hands. And I think that was a reality check for a lot of the players going back to that a couple of years ago and, you know, fighting for, you know, more money and, and being able to play, you know, for a team where, where they felt like it was worthy for the, for a worthy price. Now, now this is interesting because you're going to have the owners kind of decide to them what they think is, uh, you know, fair, what they think is right. And, you know, make a proposal to the players. I know there's going to be probably some negotiation eventually back and forth, but I can't, I can't imagine most of the players looking, looking at this situation and, and giving all that power back to the owners, especially because, you know, you and I were talking earlier, these players are going to want, um, they're going to want their full salaries and they're not going to want the prorated version. They're not going to want uh, any type of discount. So I, I don't, I don't anticipate this going too well. We'll see how far apart when the, when the things come out, but I saw some pretty big time players make uh, comments and make tweets today, uh, kind of mocking the whole system already saying they can't wait to see what type of proposal the owners put together. But I suppose the the first step is, is done with uh, with uh, with uh, at least the owners coming to an agreement. Yeah, so we'll we'll hear. I'm sure a lot more about this this week. I thought we'd hear more of this last week. They kind of pushed it back one more week. I think we'll hear a lot about it since the owners did did vote today by conference call. Pass it. It does go to the players' union now for them to offer their opinions, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot about that in the coming days. Well, since we last talked to you on Thursday, Nebraska football has added a quarterback to their 2021 class, the seventh commitment to Scott Frost and the staff. It's a young man from the state of Nebraska. We talked about him on the program last week, and that's Heinrich Herberg, who is from Kearney Catholic. And, boy, the the, the, the tangibles on, on Heinrich are incredible, Benny. Six foot five. He's got really good speed for a guy that size. And by all accounts, a big-time arm. Nebraska offered him a week or 10 days ago. He'd also had some offers from North Carolina State and some other schools around the country. Apparently, Boston College was another school he was pretty serious about and interested in. But here's a homegrown quarterback verbally committing to Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers, makes the seventh commitment of this 2021 class. You want a quarterback on every class? Looks like the Huskers have their guy here in early May. Yeah, and this is an interesting prospect, especially given the news, um, you know, last week and in the, the, the prior months of, you know, Dickerson choosing Minnesota and and Johnson choosing Iowa for in in state prospects. This has been kind of a tough week, and you know, Harburg is a guy that's started gaining more and more respect nationally, more and gathering more and more offers. So for Nebraska to to come in and offer, and then you know, just a short time later. Harbor committing um i mean i think he received his offer a week ago to the day i think may 4th is when he tweeted out that he got a husker offer and a week later you know he went ahead and, and commits to into nebraska um you know nc state with another film familiar name tim beck made an offer to him and this this could have been another situation where uh he he goes to another school and he's not as high profile as some of those other guys but at the same time, 
you know, dumping salt in an open wound is never a, a good thing. And so great athlete out of Kearney Catholic and, you know, a guy that is a dual threat. He's not a Luke McCaffrey type runner, or even a Logan Smothers runner, but he can move a little bit. And the big upside here is the arm. You know, the, the word is that he can throw a football 80 yards and he's got that big, strong arm and Justin Herbert type frame at six foot five. So interesting prospect to say the least. We'll see what type of grooming and growth he can show. But, you know, to have that type of skill set right now and have that huge arm, you know, we'll see if Coach Frost can do that. But to lock down an in-state recruit after what we've seen the last couple of weeks, this was pretty important. Seventh commitment to the class, and we said this last week as well after the commitment of Patrick Payton, the linebacker out of Miami, that of the six that Nebraska had before Heinrich committed, you had three linebackers, three offensive linemen. You didn't have any skill position players yet in the fold for 2021, so Heinrich becomes the first skill position player as a member of this 2021 class. And we had Nate Klaus from Rivals with us on the program last week, and he hinted he thought we were going to see some movement in the coming weeks as far as commitments go, and it certainly popped up on Friday uh, when we were playing back our greatest games on Friday that Herberg is now in for Nebraska as their quarterback for the 2021 class. I'm sure he's very excited to be a part of that. So those are some of the things we were looking at as headlines of the day. If you have some thoughts about Oscar football recruiting, about the quarterback commit to the Cornhuskers, thoughts about Major League Baseball, our phone lines are always open and available to you at 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Here in a couple of minutes, Kevin Suits, sports director of 1011 Sports in Lincoln, going to join us. He's uh, got his pulse on the on all the things that are happening around the state, including an announcement today from the governor's office that baseball and softball teams, summer teams, can begin practice on June the 1st with games to take place June the 18th. We'll see what Kevin has to say about that. Uh, there's even been some things that maybe this is going to be a high school season and not a Legion season because a lot of the Legion tournaments have been canceled for the summer. So what kind of summer will it be for the ball bat sports around Nebraska now that uh, teams can start practicing beginning on June the 1st? We'll talk about that and a lot of other topics with Kevin when we come back. We welcome you back. It's our Monday edition of Sports Highland here on the Husker Sports Network and delighted to be welcomed here on the program by, joined on the program by Kevin Suits, Sports Director of 1011 Sports here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Kevin, good evening. How are you? Kevin, we got you. Yeah, Greg, how are you? There you are. Are you doing some homeschooling this time of year or what, what's, what's going on in the Suits household these days? What's go? What isn't going on in the Suits household? My goodness, we're homeschooling. We're, you know, I've taken up the new hobby of smoking meat on a Traeger grill. I'm still working. I'm working part from home, part in the studio. Uh, you know, watching a lot of movies in the meantime. It's just a totally different life for me. Now, what what kind of teacher is Professor Suits? Is he a strict <laughs> disciplinarian? Is he let? Is he let the erasers fly? What's going on in there? What kind of student do I have that day? I feel like every day is a new experience. I've got a kindergartner at home, Greg, and this has been, uh, it's been something. I will say this. Uh, I've always had so much admiration, respect, appreciation for teachers. My wife is one of them. Um, and it has gone a hundredfold with this whole process. We started really good with our kindergartner. He was excited. He was interested. We had incentives. All of a sudden, you know, the brownie at lunchtime, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't move the needle anymore. You know, now we got to be like making a cake every third day to keep him interested and locked in and motivated. It isn't easy. You're right. God bless teachers. I mean, they have got the patience of Job, and I don't have that. So I'm glad that I can turn them over most times to teachers to take care of that. You said you've been watching some movies, sports-related movies. I'm sure you've been watching the Last Dance documentary every Sunday. The Last Dance has been terrific. That's not just for me. We're making that a family affair. We're letting the kids stay up late every Sunday night. I think that that documentary is just phenomenal. I, and I am still, every week I'm blown away by some of the inside footage that they have. Uh, you know, and not just of that last season when 
Jordan gave them permission to go all access. There's stuff that they pull in from the 93 season, the 95 season. It just, it's so amazing to go behind the curtain of the Chicago Bulls of the 1990s, not just in 97, 98. Uh, and then I love, and I think you probably have appreciation for this too, Greg, some of the old sportscast clips, whether it's from Bob Costas, 1980 at WGN, or the old Sports Center when Sports Center was, you know, with Charlie Steiner and Kenny Mayne and Keith Olbermann when it was really at its peak. I, I just love all of it. It, it's, it's, it takes you back in time, and for those of us who were old enough to have lived it once, it's been so much fun. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that they're doing it for people who weren't old enough to really appreciate that era and appreciate how good he was and how much better he made his teammates be. I mean, he, he's just a fascinating fig, sports figure, regardless of what era you grew up in. I think the biggest takeaway for me, too, and with my children that I've talked about, you know, because my three children all participate in athletics, is he was a win-at-all-cost kind of guy. And he has said on every episode about, I'm not going to let him outwork me, or I was trying to get him to perform at a higher level. And he is, you know, in a way, you know, Michael had his own way of being a leader and being the ultimate competitor. But it's interesting to watch, you know, my children see that not knowing – full well of everything he accomplished, but just how he operated as a competitor. You know, Jordan said before this started a couple of weeks ago, he said he, his fear was people weren't going to like him. Uh, he, they would fi- find that he was a bit of a bully. I, I haven't taken that away at all. Have you? No, I think the opposite. I think there's more admiration and respect for Jordan and, you know, how he how he operated and how he, he you know, like the last night's episode, you know, he even admitted and he got emotional there at the end of episode yeah. seven. And I thought that that was very telling that he knew the way that he demanded so much of his teammates. It came at the expense of being light or a good guy. You know, at the end of the day, he wanted to win basketball games. He wanted to win championships. And if that required him to not be the nice guy, so be it. He won the championships. And I think that that question, I thought it was a fair question, but it was a moment where Michael tore the veil down and you saw a little bit of like him acknowledging, yeah, you know, I, I, I wasn't the nice guy, but if we wanted to win a championship, that's what was going to have to happen. And I also think that we need to give Jordan some credit. I think that he is just a phenomenal storyteller. The fact that he is so open and honest and uh, I feel like every episode, there are like three or four of his quotes, not just quotes from other people, but him just documenting something that is done in a very eloquent, honest, and engaging way. Totally agree. I read today where they said they had three interview sessions with him. That's what he allowed. And, and the last one was only 90 minutes long. I think they were all 60 to 90 minutes long. And you're right. He has a way of putting things together, uh, which – those of us in the business can appreciate when you have somebody who's like that, it makes telling the story so much easier when they can kind of put it together for you. And Jordan is great at that. We're talking with Kevin Suits, sports director at 1011 Sports here in Lincoln. How have you run your department over the last two months? What's, what have you been trying to accomplish? What have you been able to accomplish without games going on on a daily basis? Greg, that's a question I've fielded a lot over the past eight weeks. And, you know, we're not doing our traditional sports casts. But instead, uh, Dan Corey and myself and Dan and I work together. And he's such a great employee and uh, shares a similar work ethic as myself and just a, an attitude of trying to do what is best uh, for our uh, entire news department. But we have tried to find feature stories and highlight organizations and individuals in which the sports shutdown has impacted. There have been positive stories. There have been some kind of heart-wrenching stories in there, too. But instead of trying to document the day-to-day news, because quite frankly, Greg, there has there have been days where there really hasn't been much. Or what there has been deemed, quote-unquote, newsworthy, it doesn't really appeal to our larger viewing audience. So instead, we've tried to tell stories about people, because we can all relate with people. So whether it's you know, a senior student athlete trying to make that tough decision of whether um, 
they're going to come back for another year, you know, collegiately in a spring sport, or if it's Jordan Larson talking about the Olympic possibility. And we've sprinkled in some fun along the way, too. You know, we last week just interviewed the family of Jason Light, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was awesome talking to his mom and his uh, sister. They both live in Lincoln. And the cool thing about that is, you know, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, two of the biggest names of the NFL offseason, Jason Light's been the guy behind both of those moves, and he's one of our own. He played for the Huskers, and he graduated from Nebraska Wesleyan. Yeah, great story. And I saw you had a good piece with Kate Kane after it came out that she and her family had been in, uh, infected by cur- the coronavirus. That was really well done as well. Today, Kevin, the governor, at his daily press conference said that he's going to allow uh, baseball and softball teams to begin team practices on June 1st with the goal of trying to have some games by June 18th. Would this be summer teams? What, how, do, how do you think this will all get played out if, in, if in fact, it, it, it stays the course and they can do, do have uh, competitions this summer? I don't quite know how it's really going to play out, Greg. And I think this is mainly for youth sports. And and we can slice this up in a number of different ways. Because even though the governor, he's cracked the door open, and there is a pathway for these youth baseball and softball players to get on the field of play this summer, there are still some Lincoln restrictions that may not fall in line with what the governor is saying. And that's where I think this is a continued developing story. You know, and not to mention if we do the math here, so if you're hoping to go to a baseball game, say in mid-June, or a baseball tournament, let's say there's four teams there. If you do the math, all four teams have 10 players plus coaches plus something. We've exceeded 50. And I'm not saying 50 is a magic number, but if there is a restriction of no gatherings more than 50 people, then we can't play this tournament. I do think that the more likely possibility here is a Lincoln versus Lincoln situation where we don't have big crowds, we don't have multiple communities. If we have two select baseball teams playing a Tuesday night game at Sawyer Snell Field here in Lincoln, I think that that is a a legitimate possibility here in mid to late June, if the mayor allows it, and then into July, if restrictions have eased by then. So I think that there's a lot of things that still need to be resolved. Um, but I think from the, the ages of 9 to 14, this is very possible. I think at the younger levels, let's see what happens, because what the governor put out, he wants parents to stay in their vehicles so if you have a kindergartner like myself showing up to a ball practice of a volunteer coach and i'm told not to be close to the field i don't know how comfortable i'm going to feel i'm not saying that volunteer coaches are bad people but i think a lot of parents want some comfortability and familiarity with the coach and sometimes players are just placed on a roster and that's the team for a 15 game schedule I don't know how it looks at some of the younger levels, elementary school I'm talking about. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of logistics to be worked out. And, I, you know, I've, I've talked to some youth coaches who they obviously want to be cautious, but they also they, they want to have the, the kids get out and enjoy some of the summertime and be a kid again. I mean, that's my biggest fear is we've robbed several months from these young people at a critical time of their development and trying to figure out what they're going to be in life and all those type of things. But at least, but you're right. There's so many unanswered questions right now. Probably unfair to even bring you into the debate at this point in time. But I, I'm glad those other people are making those decisions, Kevin, and not me. I mean, I, it's going to be hard to try to balance all that out. It certainly is. And there's no right or wrong way. You know, it might be a situation in which families and players, when they show up to the ball field, they sign a waiver, you know, before they go onto the field of play, just because, you know, liability wise, let's say that there is some sort of game or a tournament, you know, now you have the people that run the field. Uh, they might be liable. You haven't forbid, you know, COVID be, you know, at one of these facilities. And we pray that that is not the case, but you have people that are operating the field. You have the two teams and their organization heads, you know, the governing body of that game or tournament. So there's a lot of people that are going to kind of need to march in line with whatever decision uh, is made. There's a lot at risk. There's a lot at stake, but you know, I think the one positive thing from today, the fact that the governor laid out a plan 
If you're a parent with a kid that just wants to play ball this summer, you can sit down and deliver some positive news because over the past couple of months, these children, whether they're in elementary school or middle school, they've been told a lot of negative news. In fact, tonight, I'm going to sit down and talk to some players that are uh, 12U for the Lincoln Rebels. They were fundraising and planning to go to Cooperstown this summer. It's the mm-hmm. highlight of being a member of the Lincoln Rebels organization. Clearly, they're not able to go to Cooperstown this summer. And so how are they handling this? But I'm excited for those parents that they got to tell their boys today, hey, we, we, we might not be going to Cooperstown, but there's a good chance we're going to be on the field at some point this summer. No, great point. We'll look forward to seeing that story tonight. Well, hey, hang in there on the homeschooling. I think the semester is about over, right? Got one more week, and then you can turn them loose, let them be kids in the summertime. My kids are done this week, and they have been counting the days. Not that they're wishing it away, but I think they're tired <laughs> of, you know, Professor Suits here. They've had enough of this guy, and I need to put the dad hat back on. Oh, good stuff. Kevin, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Welcome back. Hour number two, Sports Highly here on a Monday night. We've got a heck of an hour lined up for you. Gary Pepin, Husker track and field coach, going to join us here in a little bit. We'll see how he's been faring over the last couple of months. Huskers were right at the very end of their indoor season when this all got shut down, so they got nothing done outdoors with their season in track and field this spring and we're going to play back for you john cook's commencement address from saturday part of the unl commencement celebration he did a masterful job i got a chance to see it i uh, have rewatched it a couple of times and was equally riveted uh the last couple of times that i was able to view it so we're going to play that for you coming up later on in the hour give you a chance to hear from the head volleyball coach and we'll get a check of our snbl update how do things stand in the standings right now glad to welcome on board the program the track and field coach for the Cornhuskers Gary Pepin hello coach great to have you with us I hope you're doing well I'm doing well thank you how about yourself hanging in there a little bored like a lot of us but you know what we'll we'll get through this I guess yeah it's been a a really difficult and unusual and, and weird and strange time that's for sure what have you and your coaches been doing the last two months well, I've um, uh, well. First of all, I'll try to be positive. Uh, <laughs> we've been working still real hard on recruiting, uh, but it's really difficult. And of course, not just for us, but what a shame for the high school kids because the high school kids uh, didn't get an opportunity, you know, to show what they could do, and so that makes it uh, very difficult for them, and of course, difficult for recruiters. Uh, to see what their, you know, what their talent level is, and and all those kind of things. But we've been trying to work real hard at recruiting, and and uh, it's gone, uh, but pretty good. Uh, you know, not being able to go out and see them, and not being able to see their parents, and just talking on the on the the telephone or with written correspondence and stuff. Uh, that's not near as effective. But we've tried to make it as effective as we can and stuff. What kind of communication coach have you had with your team? Have you had do Zoom meetings with them, or what? Have you had coaches call, check in on them? What's 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 been the communication like? Well, that that's been that's really tough for us because, of course, we have a men's team and a women's team, and we have about a hundred and forty-five athletes. And so, basically, what we've we've tried to do is each coach who is coaching a, uh, an event area, you know, let's take like myself, for example, I have the long jump, triple jump. I've tried to keep in contact uh, with those long jump, triple jumpers. And even that is really difficult because some of those kids are out of the country. And so it's difficult to 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 visit with them and and match up times and and uh, I think for some of them the academic thing has been very difficult because it's been online, uh, you know, versus having a teacher sitting in front of you. And I know certainly for me I wasn't uh, by any means the the best student in the class, and I certainly would have done a lot better if I had a professor in front of me as, as compared to if I had to just sit there and read everything but as far as workouts for the kids and stuff that's what's really been tough because we there are so many different situations that they can't get into facilities 
So uh, to to try to even set up general workouts for them has really, really been difficult. And and even something you might think about, well, uh, we'll just have them do some weight workouts. Well, some of them have no access at all to a weight room at all. Uh, or they may be in a situation where they might be able to get in a weight room, but it's so far away that they don't have transportation or something to get there. So it it has really been frustrating, and, and I think frustrating most of all to those people who were seniors and had an outdoor season left, a very, very special one. And even though now the NCAA has said, well, we're going to give you that season over, uh, they've had to make major decisions as to what they're going to do with the rest of their life here. You know, some of them are getting married. Some of them are going into medical school. And, and so it, it's it's really been um, a, a tough situation for them. I, I feel very, very uh, sorry for those kids and stuff, and, and they're going to make it through all right and all those things, and and uh, certainly the most important thing, I haven't heard of any of them, you know, that aren't healthy or sick or anything like that, but uh, it's been a real tough time. Again, visiting with Husker track and field coach Gary Pepin here on Sports Nightly. I, I have not talked to you since you, you had your Big Ten indoors. How, I know that didn't go live up to your standards. How did you feel about the way the indoor season went for your squad? The, the men had a pretty good meet. The women going in, I didn't, I didn't expect a very good meet. We had a number of people that were out of the meet for one reason or another. Plus, we really weren't, just weren't that strong. We had some good individuals, but not enough of them. But the men went pretty good. However, we felt that on both sides, we were going to be better outdoors because we had outdoor event people that didn't compete indoors. Good hammer throwers, good discus throwers, good javelin throwers. So we thought that we would, you know, be in in, in the hunt for the men championship outdoors and indoors or outdoors for the women. We thought we would be quite a bit better. Gary, how much... You know, yeah, and that's usually the case. Nebraska usually has those great throwers, and that usually benefits you a lot more in the outdoor season than it does the indoor. How much um, input are you getting on your new facility? Where, what's the timeline on that? Has this virus slowed all that down? I, mean, I would guess it's had to affect it in some way, shape, or form. Well, it, the, the whole the, the whole atmosphere and whole kit and caboodle of when you know we haven't been able to be in our office now for so long. I think maybe I forgot how to get back up there. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, everything, of course, is coming from the the you know the top down. I guess the governor and the chancellor and Bill and and so they don't have a whole lot of answers to things yet. But in the last conversation that I had with uh, with Bill uh, and. He he certainly has tried to be very informative with the entire staff. I think as much as as he you know is aware of what's going on with things, he's tried to keep us abreast of everything. That the situation with the football facility and the track and and track and field facility was that they were both uh, postponed. Uh, and they were in, I guess, kind of the the final uh, drawing stages for the football complex. The track uh, project had been uh, pretty well drawn up already, and that um, we certainly they weren't going to start uh, a football uh, complex there and just leave track and field out to dry. Uh, so uh, before. Um, we're not going to get moved off the track till we have somewhere else to at least practice and stuff. Uh, so that part is good. Very good. Um, this was to be an Olympic year. Obviously, that's been pushed back one year. You've worked with a lot of Olympic athletes down through your career. How much does this mess with their whole setup? And now they just got to prepare all over again for next summer. Well, and, and a lot of the. 
of the European kids, um, they are still looking like that they may have some kind of competition late in the summer, but they're not they're not sure either. So they're kind of you know up in limbo with their training and so forth. And and I know uh, we have uh, one athlete that we've been recruiting very heavily, a, a terrific girl from another country, and and she was planning on originally coming this fall. Well, now that the Olympics have been postponed, uh, of course, her coach is trying to get her to, you know, to stay there and train for the Olympics. So uh, we don't know if we're going to get her over here at the same period of time that we had originally hoped for. And, and of course, the whole the whole training thing has really been uh, changed for a lot of those people then and, and delayed and they didn't have competitions. And, and so it's... Uh, uh, it, it's it's tough for them. Uh, it, I mean, most of those kids are athletes that are trying to make Olympic team. Uh, they've got a very very uh, educated, strict plan, you know, for maybe two or three years in preparing for the for the trials on our uh, in in the United States or certainly in the other countries as well. And so, if that gets disrupted, boy, there, there's some real you know, difficult uh, decisions to make as to when and how they're going to do things. So many, so many of our young people have certainly been affected in a big way uh, by this virus. But as you said, we're going to get through this. Well, Gary, we appreciate the time. Sorry you didn't get to have the outdoor season and no Kansas relays, no Texas relays, Drake relays, all those great traditional meets. Hopefully we get them all back in 2021. Well, appreciate it. And thanks very much for the call and, and uh, you and your staff stay healthy. Thank you. Gary Pepin, Husker track and field coach, joining us here on Sports Highlight. We're back on a Monday edition of Sports Highlight here on the Husker Sports Network. This past weekend was graduation weekend at UNL, and obviously with the current situation, there was no in-person graduation this May. So Nebraska did a virtual graduation. They put together about a 30-minute program where their commencement speaker was none other than Nebraska volleyball coach, John Cook. He delivered a marvelous message, and we thought we would share it with you tonight. Today is one of the greatest honors of my life to be with the class of 2020 on their graduation date from the University of Nebraska. Sometimes through crisis comes opportunity. We are not going to let this virus take away from making this day special. You all have accomplished something great. Think of it this way, you've scored the winning touchdown, you've made the final kill to win a big match, you've scored the winning basket, you hit the walk-off home run. Today is a special day. Both of my kids graduated from the University of Nebraska. It was awesome to be there and watch them go through that. However, the speakers, I don't remember who they were. So today my goal is to make this day really special and you will take something away from this talk. And let me just start by saying how special this day is. The only time I ever saw my dad cry was the day I graduated from college. When the chancellor asked me to speak today, at first I'm like, are you kidding me? You want a volleyball coach to talk at graduation? So then I started thinking about it. Why would the chancellor ask me to talk at graduation? So here are some of the reasons I came up with. Well, the first one is I'm a first gen graduate. Both my parents were in high school when I was born. The thought of college never even came up until a coach took me aside and said, hey, I think you can go to college and do something great. Maybe it's because we bleed Husker. Maybe it's because both my kids graduated from the University of Nebraska and I paid a lot of tuition. I may be called a coach, but I'm still a teacher. Maybe it's because Nebraska volleyball has a 100% graduation rate. Maybe it's because you as freshmen started your first day in Nebraska in Devaney with the chancellor and all the professors in freshman, or, freshman orientation. No like or maybe it was because of this story, Jen Sally Amua. She was a Samoan girl I recruited from Chula Vista, California. She was the first person in her family to go to college. It was a big deal. She barely made it in. But the story is this, I promised her and her family, there was over about 50 people when I went to visit her, I promised her that I would be at her graduation when she graduated from the University of Nebraska. Well, in 2006, we were playing for the national championship on the same day as the graduation day. 
And the night before, I became really sick with a stomach flu. And that morning of graduation and of playing for the national championship in Omaha, I had to get IVs, but I still was going to keep my promise. I got in the back of a car, and Lindsay Peterson, my director of ops, drove me down to graduation. I went through graduation with her, got to congratulate her and her family, and kept my promise and went back to Omaha and coached in the national championship match. Maybe that's why the chancellor wants a volleyball coach to speak today. We have a saying here, there's no place like Nebraska. And I just want you guys to know today, there's a lot of people working really hard to make this day special, even though with all the challenges that we have. So don't forget that, there is no place like Nebraska. I wanna give a shout out to the history majors. That was my major. It helped me get through college and into my coaching career. It also allowed me to teach geography, so let's get a shout out to the geography majors. I taught seventh grade geography. It was awesome. It should be in every school in America. And I also want to shout out to the future teachers because you guys are going to prove what I call the 60% rule. Over the last 20 years, I have studied our rosters and 60% of our student athletes, a mom or dad was a teacher or a coach. This is so important because when your mom and dad is a teacher or a coach, you grow up learning it's about somebody else besides you. It's about making a difference. It's about giving back. Your parents aren't doing it because they want to make money. They're doing it because they want to make a difference. And I really believe that's one of the reasons Nebraska Volleyball has had such a great team culture, because it's about Nebraska Volleyball. It's not about one person. So again, because these parents are teachers and coaches, they've had a major impact on our student athletes who have had a major impact on Nebraska Volleyball. Today, I also want to share some coaching secrets with you. Let's keep these between you and I. I don't want this to get out in any other schools in the Big Ten. These are our secrets. The first one is the attitude of gratitude. Take this with you. I learned about the importance of this with Chick-fil-A. When our players were camped out to go to the first opening of the Chick-fil-A in Lincoln, I'm like, what is this place? I'd never heard of it. And what I found out is it's one of the most successful franchises in America. And the reason it is because when you go in there, they make you feel appreciated. What do they say? They say, it's my pleasure. Take that through life. It's my pleasure. Show everybody you come in contact with the attitude of gratitude. It makes a huge difference. The second secret I want to share with you is the longer I coach, the less I know. My first year, we went undefeated and won the national championship. I thought I knew everything about coaching. 20 years later, I learned more in last year about coaching than I did in the previous 19 because I'm open to learning. It makes it fun. You, you grow on the journey that you're going through with your team, and it also prevents burnout because I'm always learning and trying to get better. The longer I coach, the less I know. Take that with you. The next secret is a great story I used to tell to my seventh grade boys basketball team, the first team I, I, I coached. And it was a story about the greatest civilization and the leaders of this civilization wanted to pass down generation to generation why they were so successful. So they had the smartest guys write it all down, and they got it down to one sentence. And that one sentence was, there ain't no free lunch. Nobody's going to give you anything. You're going to go out and have to earn it and work for it. There ain't no free lunch. And the next secret, I've studied the most successful coaches and the successful business people, and they all have one thing in common, a team within a team. They surround themselves with a group of people that are going to help them be the best they can be. These are trusted advisors, people they can rely on and go to and seek counsel. I have a team within my team. I encourage you all to surround yourself with a group of people that can help you be the best you can be. And finally, the last secret I want to share with you today is about trust. And this is a story about Danny Mancuso, where we came up with Dream Like a Champion. And Danny Mancuso was a player on our 2016 from Omaha, Nebraska. And we were getting ready to play Stanford for the national championship. And we were underdogs. And the night before, we showed him the movie Miracle on Ice about the 1980 hockey team. Because we were underdogs, I knew we were going to have to have that mindset. So that team beat the Russians who were, had never lost. So we showed it to him. And at 2.14 in the morning, I get a text from her. It says, Coach. 
dream big, dream like a champion. Not only did she send that text to me, she sent it to the entire team. And at that moment, I knew we were going to win because if she had that much confidence that she could send out that text, I knew our team was going to be in a great place. We went on the next day to beat Stanford in four for the national championship. Dream big, dream like a champion. Every day, there's three questions I ask myself. The first one is, who needs me today? Every day I wake up, somebody's going to need me. I got to figure out who that person is and take care of them. It could be in my family. It could be our team. Somebody needs me every day. The second question I ask myself, if they were hiring a volleyball coach at Nebraska today, would I be doing a good enough job that they would want to hire me? I got I to do that every day so I know that I'm getting it done and they still want me to be the coach at Nebraska. And the third question I ask myself every day is this. Would I want to be coached by me? And there's some days I don't do a good enough job. I know my players leave and they don't, they don't want to come back. So my goal each day, am I doing a good enough job coaching my team and working with my staff that they want to come back and be coached the next day? I think those three questions are really great questions to ask yourself every day, whatever field you're going to go into. And the other thing you're going to have to figure out is what is your why? Ask yourself, what is your why? What is going to inspire you to be great, to go do great things, and to get up every day and get after it? And I want to tell you a story that kind of illustrates the importance of somebody's why. In 2008, we were playing in the regional finals at Washington. They were seeded number one. We lose the first two games. We come back and win games three and four. We're down 9-3 in the fifth. It's over. Washington's going to win and go to the final four. Jordan Larson, after our final timeout, takes over the match. You can YouTube this and watch the comeback. We come back and win 15-13 in the fifth. Jordan wills her team back. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And then it hit me on what allowed her to be able to do that. And it was about her why. This would have been her senior match, her last match in a Nebraska uniform. Her mom was in the hotel. It was too weak and sick from her cancer treatments to be able to make it to the match. Jordan was not going to let her mom miss her final match of her career at Nebraska. And because we came back and won, her mom got to come back and see her finish out her career in the Final Four in Omaha. That's when I learned the importance of somebody's why and how powerful that can be. When you leave today and you flip over your thing and you celebrate with your family, there's three bones you need to make sure that you've developed and take with you. The first one is a backbone. Your backbone needs to be strong. You need to be able to stand up to challenges. You need to be able to say no. You need to know what you're about and who you are. The second bone is a wishbone. You need to dream big. I just talked about Jordan in eighth grade. She's from Hooper, Nebraska, one-stop light town. She told me she was going to win a national championship and be an Olympian. She's accomplished all that. She taught me every person in this state and graduates in Nebraska can dream big. Set your goals high. And the third bone is a funny bone because whatever you do should be fun, it's, you should have passion, and you should be excited about whatever you're doing each day. So make sure you have those three bones when you leave today. And finally, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Go Big Red, and remember this, it's a great day to be a Husker. Wow. Ben, you said he would bring it. He brought it. That was just, uh, I, got, I got chills hearing that back again. He, he's just amazing, and, and uh, we sit here and we marvel every year at how successful his teams are, and you know, one of the great things that we get with social media and uh, you know, access is we, we see him after matches and we see his messages to his teams. I've talked to a lot of his former players. Uh, we put that podcast t- together on him uh, this last summer. If you, if you know him at all, if you know anything about Coach Cook, you know that that is truly how he lives his life. And, you know, every time I'm around him, there, there's always some type of competitive edge to him and the way that he is, whether it's about Husker volleyball, whether it's about Husker football, whether it's about Royals baseball, Alex Gordon, whatever it is, he's always got fire to him. And, and I think that's what makes him so successful. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm always going to remember, uh, you know, when, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, especially doing the podcast, whenever it is that he decides to step down and we hope there's a, plenty left in his tank. Uh, you know, the things that he's going to be remembered for by us, by JB, by his daughter Lauren, by all the former players, everybody that's played against the Huskers, the stories that are going to come out are going to be epic. And, and they're already starting to come out. And the university nailed it. There wasn't anybody better to speak at, at the commencement than than JC. I mean, he he's one of a kind, and, you know, I'm honored to know him and, you know, honored to be in a place where he's comfortable enough to share his his life with me and his experiences with me and on a personal level and and you too and and now everybody that that listened to that and on commencement got a small piece of you know something that we get every time we're around him he's truly one of the best college sports coaches in America. I mean, so you just can't argue with what he's done in his particular sport. So we thought that was certainly worthy of playing back here tonight. When we come back, we're going to do an SNBL update. Also, an update on Husker football. They have a punter, a new punter headed this way. We'll tell you all about that next. We're back. Monday Night Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Mentioned earlier in the program that Nebraska has added to their roster in football. They have picked up a punter, Daniel Cerny, who tweeted about an hour ago, extremely excited to announce that I have received and accepted a full scholarship to study and play football at the University of Nebraska. Daniel Cerny is a punter, Ben from Australia. He is along that. There's been a long line of punters who've come out of. Australia and the school or the academy that Daniel Cerny is at right now that have gone on to terrific college careers and some even into the NFL. So now Nebraska is going to have one of those Australian-style punters and Daniel Cerny coming to town. I can't wait to interview him. (laughs) Australians are my favorite accents ever. I got a really good friend that lives in Australia, and just listening to him talk is just just the best ever. Um, And one of my favorite interviews I've ever done ever was a punter from Maryland um, at Media Days like four years ago. And and the dude was just epic. He said, yeah, I got to Maryland, and I, you know, it was time to go out to practice, and there was all this stuff hanging out. He goes, I, I knew nothing about football. There was all this stuff hanging up in my locker, and I spent several minutes looking at it and trying to figure out how to put the pads on and where it had to watch people get dressed to figure out how to put the pads on. Everyone was laughing at me. Uh, and then, you know, he's talked about going out and punting with a helmet on and said he didn't like it, so he started punting without a helmet. You know, I'm excited to, to get to know uh, him and, and his personality. I think it's going to play really well in Lincoln. So Daniel Cerny, a late addition to the 2021 class, but Nebraska's in need of a punter after Isaac Armstrong graduated from last year. So there you go. He will come in and compete right away. He won't be handed the job. He's going to have to go win it. There's a couple of walk-ons that are part of the program that he'll have to compete against. But obviously Nebraska saw something they liked to offer him a scholarship, and he has accepted. So there's some news for some Husker football today. We will have tomorrow night the head coach. Here on the program, Scott Frost will join us in hour one of Sports Highlight tomorrow night. Looking forward to catching up with him. Haven't talked to him in darn near two months. Looking forward to catching up with the head coach tomorrow night. Let's get an update on SNBL. We are well into, we're what, about 70 games? Coming up on 70 games into this thing right now, aren't we? Yeah, at the end of the week, we will be into the month of July. So we're anticipating hitting the All-Star break about Tuesday or Wednesday next week. And um, you know, the, the streams have been really good. We're, um, we're really close on locking down a, another surprise guest this week. We've had a couple of former Husker baseball players join us the last couple of weeks and hoping to get another one on uh, this week. But the races have intensified. We talked about today in, uh, in Josh's division how it started with, um, you know, Nate's team on top for a long time, and then they took a step back, and then Austin's team kind of jumped out and looked untouchable, and now it's Josh's team. It thinks that division's changed hands three different times. And in our league, Greg, the NL East, it's been it's been you. It's been the Harriers the last couple of weeks. But um, I think the, the last, you know, a couple of days, it's we, the NL East is trying to, to rewrite the narrative. Although the AL West has better records, we, we, we come up with our own theory that the NL East is beating up on each other. 
Well, they got the Astros in that division. They're just ridiculously bad, so they've beaten up on them. But, yeah, jo- the Mammoths are rolling right now. That, that's a re- I know you got turned back late today, Josh, but that yeah. team really looks good. Well, that was, that was worth about three losses, the loss to the rowboats today, taking it on the chin there. That was uh, up by three in the ninth inning, and then they rally off my two best relief pitchers to tie the game, send it to extras, and then Ken Griffey Jr. hits a little blooper to win it in the 11th inning. So that, that was tough, but, yeah, it's still up, up by about three games in the division. Uh, I think I was – Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I was five and five in my last ten games, though, so I've kind of hit yeah. a little bit of a – uh, a skid, but I'm I'm okay with it. It's been a it's been a tough division. I, you know, you guys can knock on the Astros. That's fine. <laughs> but you have you have the the Cthulhu's in your division too. So I mean, that, they're not as bad as the Astros, but the Cthulhu's have been wrecking the AL West. That's true. They they've been killing it. So um, I, you're right. It'll be interesting to see though how how it kind of shifts and uh, you know that that division the the AL West has changed hands a bunch of times. Um, you know. The, we, we are implementing the trade system. Uh, we are all, all completing at least one trade. I think uh, the commissioners are, are reviewing the trades right now before they get passed through just to kind of spice it up a little bit. But it's been it's been fun to see how the, the storylines of the league. Nate, poor Nate, just the hits just keep on coming. He lost Chris Bryant today for another yeah. month. Oh. So he, he, he's, he, he's without like half of his starting, <laughs> starting lineup. It's tough. Tough times. How's, how's the fans team doing there? The Nebraska Farmers. They're actually tied with Ben's team. They're tied for second place in that NL East division. Exact same record for the Outlaws and the Farmers. About three and a half games back at first place. Farmers have, have been some, really up and down. They have some pitching, though, Ben. And Ooh. they have hitting, too. It, when they went through that skid, we were wondering how that was happening. How? Yeah. Still might be so, the favorites in that division. Uh, Could no, be. no. The hometown <laughs> team, the Nebraska Farmers. Those, well, they got to beat their rival first. Yeah. Crosstown Hick- rival. Hickman. All right, so uh, I would have loved, I would have loved ahead. Austin's team to uh, to take one on the chin today and lo- lose both games of his doubleheader. If he would have lost both today, he would have lost more times today on stream than he has his previous like nine games. But yeah, it's nuts. He, unfortunately, he's able to pull it out today. So three games a day. We do them on our Twitch stream, 11 to roughly 1 o'clock over the midday. So if you're having lunch, you want to jump on board. What's our lineup for tomorrow? Who can folks, if they tune in tomorrow, who can they see for games tomorrow? Josh, you got it in front yeah, of me. Yeah, I do have it in front of me. Uh, so tomorrow it's a, it's going to be a heavy day of the of Tim's team, the Cthulhu's. They start out by playing the Farmers in game one, and that's probably the best pitching matchup of the day, Kershaw against Chris Sale. And then game two, Cthulhu's again. They play the Outlaws, Ben's team. And then in game three, it's the Rowboats back in action facing Brett's team, the People Eaters. So all user matchups tomorrow. Sweet. Yeah. Drop in, say hi. We talk Huskers. We talk everything, everything you want to talk about. Um, it's kind of fun. Just come hang out with us at 11 yep. tomorrow. We have a little chat room. You can jump in there and fire questions at us or have some fun with us uh, every day. Monday through Friday starts at 11 a.m. That is the Sports Nightly Baseball League brought to you by Dorothy Lynch. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We're back to wrap up the hour next. <laughs> We're back, Sports Nightly here on a Monday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. We heard John Cook's commencement address earlier in the hour. Again, there were 66 Husker student-athletes that received their degrees over the weekend, including a dozen Husker football players who picked up their degrees, including Andrew Bunch, Damian Daniels, JoJo Dolman, who will play this coming year, along with Damian as graduate students, uh, Matt Farniak, another guy that will play this year, Todd Honus, Harrison Martin, John Rairden, Matt Snyder, Jack Stoll, who's also back this year, Noah Vedrill, who's transferring, Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard. So 12 of the 66 student-athletes that picked up their diplomas over the weekend did play the sport of football. And a couple of high-profile baseball guys, and Darren Erstad and Dan Johnson both picked up their oh, um, degrees. What a journey for Darren Erstad, who did not finish up, opted to go pro after being the number one overall pick in the draft back in 1995. Hard to blame him for that, to jump in and a very successful major league career. But he'd made a lot of promises to parents, to Tom Osborne, a bunch of people that he would get that degree, and he did accomplish that uh, this weekend. The UFC was back, Ben, over the weekend. Did you watch any of the action Saturday night? 
I did not watch any of the fights live, regrettably, but I did see them them afterwards, and boy, some good ones. Um, it just felt good again to have a major sporting event back, and I think the fans kind of fed off that energy, and the fighters fed off that energy. Uh, a couple of big upsets too. So yeah, it was nice having UFC back. They're really the first one back. NASCAR is back this weekend. They're going to pl- run in Wilmington. No crowds. They'll just uh, they'll have the race. So they'll be back with a live sporting event on Sunday. So slowly starting to see some of these things. If Brett were here, he would be mad if I didn't mention. I think the Euro League is going to open up in June. They're going to get back on the pitch. Is that the right terminology? Yeah, it's done. You nailed it. Man, do I have this down. So the Euro League is coming back, and then we'll find out about MLB. We talked about this earlier in the program. The owners voted through a plan today. Now it goes to the players, but there, there certainly is not a lot of encouraging signs coming from the players uh, about baseball. I sure hope so. would love to get it back going. Um, but you're right, seeing some UFC on Saturday night was kind of nice, seeing something actually live and taking place out in the sports world yeah and i think we're all just kind of waiting for the next domino to fall and to get some some normalcy back and i think we'll all remember it all starting back up with korean baseball mm-hmm. um, it'll be a fun talking point when we get everything back to remember that that's what we got excited for at 1 a.m to watch the koreans play baseball with some positive thoughts from the college football season good friend of our of ours joel clatt who usually joins us every year when we're in chicago Lead analyst on Fox Sports, he says 95% chance we have college football this year in some form, some fashion. Sure hope he's right. Yeah, Joel Clout with that comment earlier today. Good hour. Great to hear from Gary Pepin. I've not talked to Pep, Oscar track and field coach, and hope you enjoyed hearing back to John Cook's commencement address that he gave to the UNL graduates on Saturday on their virtual graduation. Quite an hour here on Sports Highly. Another one to go.